Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, Road to Growth listeners. Today I have uh, Barbara the Sch- Schouten. Schouten, yes. <laughs> Schout- Wait, you say that one more time? Schouten. Schouten. Like, oh, my God. Was it German? Oh, very good. Oh, that was good? Oh, yes. my God. Uh, you almost seem like a little raspy. It's kind of like uh, when I try to roll my R's for in Spanish, and I'm horrible at that. So I luck- that was my mistake. Only my mistake right there. Uh, Perfect mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so you're uh, a transformational coach, speaker, author. You wrote a couple books. Okay, now, because the first one, a coach, I had a lot of coaches on here, and now every time I have a coach, I have to ask a question, what separates you from all of the coaches out there? That is a very good question. I think what separates me from other coaches out there is, well, first off, the person I am. I am a unique person, and nobody is like me, so that already makes me different from most other people. But I think Coaching-wise, my methodology is directed towards effortlessness so that your life becomes effortless, your business becomes effortless, and you just flow with life and flow um, down your natural path, the path that you were supposed to be taking but probably are not taking if you're experiencing any kind of blocks or obstacles or uh, bears in the road. I mean, going through kind of your your bio, kind of what you put out there, some of the the big words that pop out is sensitivity. Yes. Right? That at a young age, and you're going to tell your story better than this, but just giving people a quick synopsis is that people say you got to be tougher skin, tougher skin, tougher skin. And you took that, that you were kind of almost a less of a person. Is that kind of roughly? Yes, yes. I, from a very young age, I got told that I was too sensitive and that I needed to learn how to grow a thicker skin, that I needed to not take things so personal, that I needed to uh, let things go. And they told me, you don't get so worked up about it. Just let it go. And I thought, you know, I want to, but how do you do that? Nobody prepared me for how that worked. And the more I heard it, the less I felt I could be who I am. I felt like there was something wrong with me and that I needed to change in order to fit in, in order to be liked, to be loved, to be accepted. And that made me suppress a really big part of who I actually am because I thought that people didn't like it. People didn't want me to be that way. And that had a huge impact on, uh, you know, the rest of my life. People didn't want you to be okay with your emotions. Is that kind of what you you mean? Yes, as a child, you know, you are very, um, in, uh, you, you're easily influenced. And when everybody keeps telling you, oh, don't act like this, don't say like that, don't talk like that, don't be like this, then you start to think that there's something wrong with you and that you need to change because that's just what children do. Uh, do you have any kids now? Okay. If let's say you're raising kids, right. Or someone's listening and because, and I don't personally have any kids. I have a lot of nieces and nephews, right. You, you know, I mean, at least how I see it, right. Is that when they skin a knee, right. And you react to them, it almost seems like they cry more than if you don't react to them. 
right? So yes, it it kind of depends. I've seen that happen with my nephew as well. He falls on his face, and when nobody is watching, or when he thinks nobody is watching, he just dusts himself up, gets back up, and and goes uh, on with his play. But when he sees his mom watching, um, he starts crying. But that's also because the adults usually give a, a reaction like, ooh, yeah. you know, oh, my God, or what happened? Or just some kind of reaction along those lines. And then that teaches the child that something happened that needs to evoke an emotional response and that's what the child is responding to so it's not the actual fall but it's usually how people respond when something happens and that's because people automatically assume that when you fall down especially a child that it will hurt or that they need to step in um and and that's you know it's it's like a vicious circle Look, and it comes from a place of protection and they're trying to protect you, right? Your parents, I would assume, were trying to protect yes. you and be stronger. What yes. would you have hoped at that time or think back at that time would have been a better uh, a way of, of protecting, protecting you, I guess? Well, what I discovered is that my mother is also a highly sensitive person, but she learned from my grandmother that that is not something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. So she also denied a really big part of herself and she tucked it away. And that was why she couldn't guide me in the discovery of who I am and how to handle it better because she never learned it. So what I see is that a lot of, and I call it rules. I, I learned that from Vision Lucky Honey. It's, those are the bullshit rules of life. So those are the things that we get taught in how to respond or how to act or how to do. And we take that over from our parents and they have taken it over from their parents and so on and so on. So how you respond to when your child falls is usually how your mother responded to you when you fell as a child. So and in order... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. In order to break that pattern, I think it comes with getting to know yourself really well, getting to know who you are so that you can better see what type of child you have and what that child needs. So instead of reacting to your child in the way, and, and usually this is unconscious behavior, but you react to the child as your parents reacted to you, but you have a choice in saying, no, I don't want to do this. I want to be different. I want to uh, handle my children different. I want to be a different kind of parent. And then you can actually do it. Well, let's go back to the, to, to your story. So people are telling you be have stronger skin, stronger skin, stronger skin. The emotions just don't go away. There's a, a boiling point. So how are you releasing it as you're getting older, that boiling point? I wasn't. That's why I ended up in a severe burnout because I was keeping everything inside. And what was happening is also because I was keeping everything inside, I created like a layer of protection around me. Uh, people used to think that I was fat. In uh, reality, it was water. I was retaining water all over my body. And my body was doing that to protect myself, to create like a barrier between me and the outside world. So my body just kept on retaining water and then all over my face, my body, my back, my arms, my legs, just everywhere. And that was a form of protection because I didn't let the emotions out and I kept bottling it up. So what I remember was when I started on my journey of self-discovery that I could feel a huge amount of anger 
deep inside me and I could feel that it was there and I could feel it affecting a lot of things in my life but I didn't dare go there because I was afraid that if I opened the bottle I could never put the genie back in the bottle again I was afraid for what would come out I was afraid for who that might hurt and I was afraid for all the consequences because I couldn't even begin to um, feel the depth of my anger and my hurt and and that's why i just i didn't dare let it out because i i, I felt like i could not be held accountable for the consequences if i let it out well let's talk about that burnout so you were in the corporate world yes. and from from what i can tell it was a lot of stuff in your plate a lot of stuff in your plate and then what happened with that burnout well, I was a project manager at that time, and I was responsible for both the project as well as my team. Um, I was also a scrum master, so combined uh, role and scrum master meant that I needed to facilitate everything that my team needed in order to be able to work to their most effectiveness. But our company was struggling. One of our biggest clients had cut its uh, work to us, and this was a new client. And if we didn't land this client as, as a, a permanent client, then that would mean the end of the business. So there was no pressure on the project. It's just a lot of pressure. And my boss was holding the reins very tightly. So he did not give me any room to actually be able to do my job. He didn't give me room to help my uh, team when they came to me with problems. So I needed to go to him and signal the problems. And they would say to me, yes, we're going to do something about it. And they never did. And then my team would complain to me and the customer would complain. And every time the customer complained, my boss would throw me under the, under the bus and say that it was my fault and that I didn't do anything while I didn't even get the room to actually make a difference, do my job even. So that was extremely stressful. And I was managing that stress for quite some time. We are capable of handling a, a lot of stress, actually, for quite a lot of time. Um, until my boyfriend of seven years just one evening got up off the couch, turned around and told me, you know, I'm done with this relationship. I want you to move out at the end of the week. And then everything just came crashing down. It was the combined pressure and and um, not being able to change anything at work, not having a say, not having any authority, not having any um, power to change things combined with my entire personal life being uprooted and me losing my love of my life, my house, but also most of my friends because most of our friends were family from him, from his side. And that combination ended me up in the burnout because I hadn't learned how to do anything with those emotions, how to release those emotions when it became too much. So there were already a lot of emotions in there. And then this was just emotion overload. And the only thing I could do was erupt like a volcano. And uh, <laughs> how did you erupt? Well, I was talking to the client or the representative of the client. And we had planned a meeting to uh, try if we can make the project work better to find solutions for the problems, you know, a meeting along those lines. And I think a half an hour before we had the meeting, she called me to cancel. 
And that for me was just the final straw. And I told her exactly what I thought of her, of the client, of the project and everything that was happening. And that's not very handy in, in a diplomatic position, but it, I just, the dam broke and everything came out and she hung up the phone crying. <laughs> and by that time I was also crying. So I went to my boss crying and, and I just told him what had happened. What did, what did he say or what did they say? He said, well, uh, I went to my manager, actually. And my manager, I had complained to him multiple times. I went to him over the course of a couple of months, multiple times, telling that it was getting up to here and then getting up to there, getting up to here, you know, and eventually it being here. And he kept saying, yeah, we really, really, we really need to do something about this. And they just never did. So by the time I exploded, he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not your fault um it's our fault or at least the director of the company's fault because he also turned out to be in a position where he had no say no authority so i signaled to him and he could only signal to the director and the director didn't take us seriously or at least didn't do anything with the signals that he was receiving so in the end it was neither of our faults and uh, yeah my manager was very understanding and he told me you know i think it's best if you just go home and uh, uh, take some time for yourself and uh, we will talk again later this week how did it feel to erupt oh i it was horrible i felt like such a big failure i felt like i had failed my team i felt like i had failed the customer i felt like i had failed the business my boss my manager i felt like i had failed everything and everybody and i just i couldn't understand why it was happening i thought you know i'm a good person i do all, i i always give 200 percent of myself and i'm very caring i'm genuine i try to make everything work to the best of my ability and and i just i couldn't understand how it could have gotten to that point because later i understood that most people who end up in a burnout have no clue how they got there i had multiple clues on how i got there i just wasn't able to do anything about it and i had all these emotions that were flooding me that didn't um let me push them back into the bottle and i felt like i was drowning drowning in my life drowning in the emotions and i remember that I, I i could not stop crying i think i cried almost non-stop for a week and the doctor actually had to give me sedatives to calm me down because i just i couldn't stop crying once the dam broke it's just like uh yeah an eruption a lava eruption or or a waterfall that just stopped that couldn't be stopped and then after that when did you go back to work well, that took a long time. I think it took me one and a half to two years before I went back to work again. Um, I first um, had to go to the, um, the company doctor and he, I, I couldn't stop crying when I was there also. And when he was nice to me, I started crying even harder. When people were nice to me, I started crying even harder. And uh, he said, you know, um, I just, take some time off, take a couple of months, and then we will talk again and see how you're doing. And in the meantime, they sent me to a psychologist to start talking about it, but 
that was not working for me because they were doing cognitive behavioral therapy with me. And I knew exactly what they wanted me to learn from the exercises that I was given. And I actually told them that, you know, I, I, I know exactly what you want me to learn from this. And she didn't really believe me. So she said, yeah, sure. What do you think that you're supposed to learn here? And I said, well, this, this, and this. And she was actually shocked. And she said, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted you to learn. I said, I already know it. It doesn't help me one bit, but I already know it. And that's when I discovered that the way into a burnout for a highly sensitive person is completely different than for a non-highly sensitive person, but also the way out of that burnout is completely different. And since normal conventional methods were not working for me, I went on a journey of discovering the things that did work for me. And that was a journey that took about one and a half to two years. And that's also how my business got born because I realized that I'm you know, 20% of the population is highly sensitive. So there are a lot more people out there like me that are struggling with the same types of things. And there was no solution, no answer for people like me in a situation like I was facing. And I wanted to make it easier for them than it was for me to actually share with them the things that actually help for people like us instead of having to go over the road you know everywhere and and sometimes finding some things most of the time not finding any help and and further um feeling like a failure let's rewind a little bit so you said the psychologist um there was a couple things that she wanted you to learn what were those things yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I honestly cannot remember the exact things that she wanted me to learn, but it had to do with certain insights into your personality. And it had to do with what I shared with you before, that most people do not know how they ended up in the burnout. And that's because they are not in tune with their body or not in tune with the signals it's giving. And um, cognitive behavioral therapy, it's meant to give you those insights. But I already had those insights. I knew exactly what had happened and I knew when it happened and uh, who was responsible and I felt it coming. The only thing I was not prepared for was how to handle when you signal that things are going wrong and people do not do anything with it. How did you know at that time what she was looking for you to, did you study it? Did you read up on it? How did you know what she was looking uh, to accomplish with you? I think it has to, I am also highly gifted. So it means I have a very high IQ and I was just looking at the, the, um, the exercises she was giving me. And I thought, you know, I know it, it, it intuitively, I think I just, I knew what it was that she wanted me to learn from it. And that's also what I shared with her. And that turned out exactly to be the thing that she wanted me to learn. And and because I already knew it, I think I recognized it. So one of my superpowers is is a sixth sense or very big intuition. And I think that that was the thing that, um, yeah, made me realize what it was that she wanted me to learn. So you're, you're out of, you're out of work. In, and you were in Germany at that time? No, Netherlands. Netherlands, okay. You're in Netherlands, you're out of work. Is the company still paying you in that year and a half time frame? Yes, because I wasn't out of work. I just called in sick. Uh, and in hindsight, I should have called in sick sooner. The moment I started feeling it up to here, I should have called in sick. But I was raised that you only call in sick when you can 
cannot get out of bed anymore or when you've broken something you know or when it's, it's very visible that you are sick and um not when you're just too stressed do, do they have a cap in the netherlands of how long you can call it sick for well i think you can you know it's it's not allowed to fire someone when they become sick so that's uh, protected and after two years then another law comes into effect that they need to start looking and how to rehabilitate you so it could be that you're still not uh, able to do the work that you were doing before but then they need to find a different type of position within the company uh, with work that you can do so it could be a light administrative work or something and if they don't have that then they are uh, they need to pay for an outsourcing um, trajectory and see if they can place you with another company. Oh. Now, in that, that time frame while you're learning how to, I guess, understand yourself and understand who you are, what was the dialogue that you were having with uh, the company at that time? Well, preferably as little as possible because there is not a lot of um, understanding for a burnout. Most people think, oh, well, you take three weeks off and then you're good to go again. And that's not the case, especially not when you've been pushing yourself and pushing yourself and going over your limits for such a long time, then the road to recovery is very long. Also combined with not getting the help that you actually need to get there, then the road becomes extra long. And they didn't understand and they kept putting pressure on me and that's the worst thing that you can do because you're already stressed and, and you're already your own um worst um what would you call it you, you you down you talk to yourself usually not in a very positive way like what worst, i said i felt like a failure critic. yes your worst critic indeed and uh, it ended up in me having to uh put a neutral person in between so the company would talk to the neutral person and the neutral person would talk to me because they were giving me so much stress on top of all the stress that i still needed to let out uh, that had built up in, in all the time leading up to the burnout that um yeah i couldn't handle their pressure um on top of it uh, when i wanted to recover what so the psychiatrist really didn't it didn't seem like it helped too much what no. started to help you get through this well, what started to help me was actually more in the lines of spirituality. So I learned that I was not grounded and that I needed to ground myself better. I learned how to ground. I also learned that my breathing was mostly up here, that I was having a chest breath instead of a belly breath. And I learned why that is important and how to change that. And those were the first two things that actually helped me connect better to myself, connect better to my emotions. And then came the discovery that I'm a highly sensitive person and the discovery that I'm not weird and I'm not strange and that there are more people like me. And the more I learned about who I am, the better I learned what my user manual is, what makes me tick, what makes me me, what gives me energy, what drains my energy, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. The more insight I got into myself, the better I was able to actually help myself, to heal myself. And energy-wise, the thing that made the most difference was going to an acupuncturist. What, 
how are you finding this information? Was it online? Was it a mentor? Was it who, how are you finding this information about yourself and that other people were similar to you? Well, a, a variation of, of uh, information sources, actually. It's, it started out with someone casually mentioning, yeah, but you are an HSP because you're exactly like my wife. And I didn't know what that meant. I first thought they were calling me a name and I decided to Google it because I, I didn't even know if I should be insulted. And then HSP stood for a highly sensitive person. And I discovered websites about high sensitivity. I discovered forums with other highly sensitive people sharing their stories. I felt a lot of recognition there. Then I bought a couple of books, uh, the books from Elaine Aaron, the psychologist that founded the term HSP. Um, and the information in there really helped. Then I found a coach that helped me with the grounding and with uh, the breathing. Um, then I did a couple of courses or workshops and I went to the acupuncturist, but I also went to someone who did emotional freedom techniques with me um, and uh, someone who did access bars with me. So different types of healing modalities that all did a, a piece of the puzzle and helped me in some way. And when did you come to the point that you felt comfortable with who you are and allowed you, I guess, the ability or opportunity to help other people find out who they were? Well, that was also a very long journey. And I don't think the journey is quite over yet because you're always, or at least I am always learning. I, I felt compelled to buy a couple of new books and the information in there just opened up a whole new layer of who is Barbara and what is my user manual. But the moment I really started to feel comfortable with myself, I think it was three years after my burnout. So three years into my road of self-discovery when I started to realize, you know, I am a beautiful person. I am unique. There are not a lot of people or maybe no people out there like me, but I have qualities. I have things that make me very good at what I do. And I also learned that when I said no to other people, I said yes to myself. And I learned that that is not selfish or egoistical. I learned that taking really good care of yourself is mandatory because you cannot pour from an empty cup. And in that part, you know, I started accepting who I was and at the same time caring less and less about what other people thought about it or thought about me, said about me. And that is extremely liberating. And how did you come across your, like, did you have your books out first before you actually started in coaching or what was no. the process there? No, I wrote the books and also my online programs based off all the experiences that I had and the knowledge that I gathered. So as soon as I found things that actually worked and that made me feel so much better, I decided to put that into a book and to write about those types of experiences and exercises and, and things that people could do. And then my second book was about um, high sensitivity in combination with burnout. And also there's a chapter in there that's for the family of the highly sensitive person that has a burnout because you don't have a burnout by yourself. Your whole environment is affected by it. And it can be very difficult for people to know how to help you. Uh, so I also put a chapter in there for those types of people uh, to help them handle uh, um, the, the highly sensitive person with the burnout better. And it, it's, it, it evolves from there. It's, it's, 
what I teach, what I help people with are all the things that helped me tremendously and all the tools and tips and exercises that I still use every day because I know they work because they work for me. And um, I also know that every person is unique and every person is different. So I do not only teach the things that help me, but I teach all the things that I've learned because I've also came come to realize that um, some things that work for me will not work for you and things that didn't work for me will work for you. So I teach everything that I came in contact with that does what I do, but in various different ways so that people can find the things that work for them. There, there's a, a difference, I think, from, from writing a book or putting a, a class online compared to a one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? Yeah. So when you're putting the information, you're kind of, I, I bet it was kind of even um, very helpful for yourself, kind of putting all the information that you've learned over the years in a book and relaying it. When yes. did the first face-to-face -face client, one-on-one -on -one client come about for you? Oh, that was already in the beginning because I started out only doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. Um, and in the beginning, I actually combined coaching with acupuncture because I'm also an acupuncturist. So I would help people with too much stress or in a burnout with uh, one week coaching, the other week uh, acupuncture. And that allowed me to work on body and mind at the same time. So with acupuncture, I would work on the lack of energy, the headaches, uh, the stiff neck and shoulders, the bowel complaints, the stomach complaints, the sleeping complaints, you know, all those types of things. While with the coaching, we were looking at how did I end up here? Why did I end up here? And how can I avoid that in the future? How did you come across those first clients or your first client? Yeah, that's, that's also a very good question. I, well, I used to be a web designer and a web developer way, way back. So I built my own websites and I was very good at search engine optimization. So that meant whenever people typed in certain keywords, um, my site would be on the first page. So a lot of people came through Google, through searching. And then, of course, word of mouth started to happen because that doesn't happen in the beginning because nobody knows you, so they cannot um, sing your praises. Um, but that started to happen after. And uh, that also sir, got me the, the next couple of clients. What do you think, because you had the background in SEO, website de development, that seemed like that was probably pretty straightforward again the advertising, getting the word out there. What yes. was probably the most difficult thing in building your business, building your brand? Marketing and branding. Okay. <laughs> That's the most difficult thing because as an entrepreneur, you're all of a sudden everything. You're the toilet girl, you're the IT department, you're the accounting department, you're the marketing department, you're the sales department, but you're also the director, you're the therapist, you're the coach. You know, you have so many different hats. And when you come from being an employee, you're not used to that. I was used to wearing multiple hats because I am a multi-potentialite. I thrive when I can do multiple things and no day is the same as the other. Because when everything becomes the same, I lose my interest and, and that's not good for everybody. So I was used to wearing two to three hats usually. I could do design work, I could still program, I could do project management, I could do scrum or I could coach and train. So usually it would be a combination of those hats, but I never did marketing. 
the projects that um, my company was um, doing, somebody else got them. Somebody else did the sales, somebody else did the marketing, somebody else um, did the whole thing until it actually came to me as a project manager to just do it. So that is the biggest challenge, how to create a brand and how to be visible and how to actually speak to the people that you want to help in a way that resonates with them and that makes them feel, oh my God, you understand me? You have the same type of things? I need to be with you if I want to get rid of this. That's the whole art. <laughs> what, um, I mean, there's a lot of rejection that happens when you own your own business, right? Yes. And overcoming that objection, uh, I mean, re and rejection. Now, yes. as a, a highly sensitive person, how do you deal with, I guess, those rejections or those down moments for yourself these days? Well, the most important thing is to know that it is not personal. And that is also the difficult, the most difficult thing because we tend to take things very personal. We are perfectionists on the one hand, we want to do very well and we want to be there for everybody. We are also very um, much into helping other people. Um, so the combination of wanting to do your job to the best of your ability and wanting to help people and those people then saying no, usually makes us feel like there's something wrong with us, especially when you have limiting beliefs underne underneath there, like I did, that you're not good enough or that you're not worthy or that you feel like an imposter, then those types of situations will fuel those emotions and it's then very important to learn how to recognize what is happening, how to separate those emotions and how to not take it personal because um, usually a rejection doesn't mean that you're not okay or that you're not doing the right kinds of things. Usually it means that people touch upon their own limiting beliefs or their own obstacles within them and that makes them say no. Or maybe you didn't explain it um, in a way that it made sense to them or that it triggered something that could also help. But it also still doesn't mean that you're not good enough the way you are or that you're not worthy. It may mean that you need to learn a little bit more. But in, in, in any case, it's not personal. It doesn't say anything about you. And I think that's the main thing to keep in mind and to learn. If let's say we were talking in five years from now, where is Barbara going to be? Oh, Barbara is going to be on a tropical island <laughs> and she's having her house in the middle of nature, close to the ocean, and she's running her own retreat center. Will the transformational coaching transfer into the retreat center or will it? Okay. Yes. I have a beautiful vision of the, I, I want to do truly transformative retreats. So what I can now only do one hour a week or one hour every two weeks, it will then be like a week intensive or maybe a two week intensive where we work together every day and, and you can really make some big steps and help people um, transform the things that are blocking them. So that's what I am envisioning for my retreats. And at the same time, I also want to continue doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, but then people just come to me on my tropical island and we will do a one-on-one intensive week together i'm gonna i'll finish off with, with this question if if you could look back at that um barbara that exploded that that had all that pent up um items inside her 
is there anything you could have told her or helped her out with to bring that um, growth from a three-year span to a shorter span or anything you could have helped her out with looking back on it now? With the person that I am, yes, because I have all the knowledge and the information that she needed to hear and acquire at that time. But when I was in that situation, there it was still fairly new and very um, unfamiliar. There were not a lot of people talking about high sensitivity. Um, it was still seen as something undesirable, something that needs to be swept under the rug. Um, I especially see this with highly sensitive men uh, because most of you men are brought up to be big and strong and to be the provider for the family and to not show emotion and um, to like beer and cars and boots and stuff. And the highly sensitive man doesn't like that. So where for women, it's still kind of accepted to be emotional. Usually they say, oh, it'd be that time of the month. It's also not very nice, but you know, it's still sort of accepted, but the highly sensitive man doesn't have that. So what I hear from them very often is that they feel they need to talk about boobs and cars and, and drink beer um, while they don't want to. And usually they have more female friends than they have male friends because with females, you can talk about your emotions and about how you're feeling and what something does with you or does not do with you and your innermost thoughts and workings. Um, so I think what I would tell her is to stop fighting and to start allowing, to start allowing the part of herself back into her life that she cut out and to help her accept that part, embrace that part, start loving that part um, and, and start to know everything about herself that she could discover so that she can use all that information to become a conscious creator of the life that she really wants to live. Well, if someone's listening right now and that resonates to what Barbara is saying or what you're saying, uh, what's the best way of people reaching out to you? Well, they can come to my website, which is HSP Coach Barbara, and then Barbara with an E dot com. And I uh, give a free um, coaching session basically to everybody that feels resonating uh, so that we can get to know each other and we, we can talk. Um, that would be the easiest, but I'm also findable on all social media platforms, also under the name HSP Coach Barbara. I have a YouTube channel in which I make a lot of videos about a lot of different types of questions from my audience. So it could be your questions already in there, um, and, and you can see how I am and how I talk and what I teach. Um, the same goes for my podcast. It's called 100% Yourself with Barbara. And I also, I, I, in there I also talk about um yeah the things that are going on with us so those would be really great ways of getting to know me better if you feel hesitant to reach out immediately i mean i think for everyone listening right now maybe you might not be uh, highly sensitive but i think one of the key takeaways uh, what barbara brought up was the idea is you can't put water in someone else's cup if you have no water to give so yes. take the time to appreciate yourself and love yourself so you can provide that love to other people. I mean, that's one of the big takeaways I, I, I took away. And if, if you guys are listening right now and you feel like you need someone to, to talk to, to relate to and allow that, that water to flow, I mean, reach out to Barbara, go to our platforms, listen to our podcast. And thank you again, Barbara, for being here. Um, everyone, please subscribe, please share and go find Barbara.
Thanks. Thank you for having me, Vinny. It was wonderful being here. And if I may, the last thing I want to share is that a lot of people do not know that they are highly sensitive and also have very little with the term high sensitivity, which is why I dropped it for the most part. The key things that you might recognize yourself in is that you are a person that loves helping other people. You have a very strong sense of justice. Injustice hurts you deep in your heart and you tend to raise the bar really high, especially for yourself, but also for other people. So you could identify with being an empath or an intuitive person. Usually you will have a job in which you help other people. So those are the things that uh, you could identify much easier with than the term high sensitivity. Makes sense. Well, thank you guys again uh, for being here. Please subscribe, please share and go find uh, Barbara. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.